0: Good morning and welcome to today's PSA programming here on KNCI, KZZO, KYMX, and KHTK. Operated by Bonneville International, I'm Cody Robinson. My first guest is David Bain, Executive Director of NAMI Sacramento. He's here to discuss CalHOPE, a statewide effort that offers behavioral health crisis counseling. He'll also give us tips on how to manage stress and anxiety. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do?
1: Hi, my name is David Bain, and I'm the executive director for NAMI Sacramento. Uh, We're the local affiliate for the National Alliance on Mental Illness.
0: And are you partnering with CalHOPE?
1: We are. Uh, We're working with CalHOPE throughout the state through the auspices of NAMI California, and then local affiliates throughout the state are partnering with CalHOPE.
0: Great. So could you tell me a little bit about CalHOPE? What is it?
1: It's a statewide effort that offers behavioral health crisis counseling programs to communities in need, and it's run by the California Department of Healthcare Services.
0: And why do you think it's important to talk about mental health?
1: It's important one to normalize mental health. You know, we've we've stigmatized it for so long. Where people have been afraid to ask for help, and if you're not reaching out, you're not going to get better. Right. And get that information to find out. What it is you can do to get yourself healthy and into recovery again. Uh, so the more we talk about that, the more we normalize that, make it like any other physical health condition. We should be able to be able to get resources and assistance no matter what's going on with our bodies.
0: Would you say mental health is just as important as physical health?
1: Uh, yes, and it should be. There should be a parity of services, which isn't doesn't quite exist, but we're trying to get there. Trying to get it there. And so your mental health is probably even more important than physical health.
0: Now, what are some of the things we can all do to manage stress?
1: Uh, Well, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the news, so it's okay to give yourself a break from that. It's best to maintain contact with family, friends, or others who support you via phone, text, or email. If you have a healthcare provider, call that healthcare provider if your anxiety interferes with your daily activities. It's best to treat your body nicely to impact your head health, uh, so eat healthy foods, avoid excessive alcohol, and exercise as you're able.
0: Now, what all does CalHOPE offer?
1: Uh, It offers a warm handoff for treatment services. Uh, It also does crisis counseling via chat, phone, virtual and in-person focused on high-risk communities. It has a warm line and the website has links to resources, including uh, apps to help people with anxiety. And they have a lot of messaging as far as reducing the stigma around mental health and and helping people with their uh, anxiety and uh, depression. Oh,
0: I love that. When we are faced with things that cause stress and anxiety, any suggestions on how to deal with these?
1: Immediately, one of the things to do is to breathe. Take deep belly breaths and, and, and try to breathe out that stress and anxiety. Uh, if you're focusing on something in particular on the television, turn that off. The news uh, gets a lot of people wound up. And so if they can separate themselves from that, that helps. Reach out to someone, You know, communicate with someone who can understand what it is you're going through. You know, it's okay to not be okay, and stress and anxiety and depression are not uncommon to deal with, and they can lead to serious health problems if we don't ask for help.
0: Now, tell us more about the mental health resources available through CalHOPE.
1: One of those resources available is called The Playbook. It's full of stress management tips. It's free to download at calhope.org, and it's available in multiple languages. Also, CalHOPE can connect you with a telephone warm line answered by people who have lived through stressful situations and persevered. And that's available 24-7 to talk and connect with people with more resources. The warm line number is 1-833-317-4673. And they have also launched a live chat feature available at CalHOPE.org.
0: Great. Now let's talk a little more about NAMI Sacramento. What programs and services do you offer the community?
1: So what we have here at NAMI Sacramento is we do support groups uh, for both people living with mental health issues and for family members of those living with mental health issues. And the support groups are 90 minutes long and are facilitated by people who have been trained to run support groups and they are people with lived experience so they themselves have had their own mental health issues or are family members themselves. Uh, we also offer classes. We have a class called Family to Family and a class called Peer to Peer. And these are eight-week-long classes, one night a week for eight weeks. And they offer more information. They get more in-depth uh, as far as uh, how to best uh, learn about the different mental health conditions that are out there, available treatments, and uh, how to best work uh, with people to uh, get healthy and get into recovery. And then we also provide a lot of presentations to the community uh, on various topics, uh, depending upon what the audience is looking for. Basically the idea is to provide information and also to reduce the stigma around mental illness.
0: Now, if someone wanted more information on NAMI Sacramento, where could they go?
1: Uh, We have a website, it's at namisacramento.org. And so they can go there and, and find out lots of information there about our programs and services, and they can also call 916-890-5467 and talk to someone. And they offer uh, help and information, not only about our programs, but also about other programs in the region.
0: Oh, fantastic. Now, if they want more information about what we just talked about, CalHOPE, where can they go?
1: Best to visit calhope.org or call 1-833-317-4673 and talk to someone there.
0: Great. Thank you. That was David Bain with CalHOPE. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit calhope.org. That's calhope.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guest is Marlies Perez, Division Chief of Community Services for the California Department of Healthcare Services. She's here to discuss the California Medication Assisted Treatment Expansion Project, which is all about opioid prevention, treatment, and recovery services statewide. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? My name is
2: Marlies Perez. I am with the California State Department of Healthcare Services, and I oversee... Uh, Funding that comes into California uh, around federal um, opioid funding that we've been receiving, opioid settlement funds, and other substance use disorder and mental health
0: services funding. Great. So you're here to talk about opioids. What is an opioid for those who might not know?
2: So opioids are, there's prescribed opioids. There's also um, illegal manufactured opioids. And so there's many names of them. Um, some folks are probably familiar with like oxycodone, hydrocodone, codeine, morphine. There's also heroin um, and also more in the news lately has been fentanyl, which is, you know, a synthetic opioid that is extremely powerful. Mm-hmm.
0: So is opioid addiction, is that considered a chronic relapsing disease? Yes. Substance
2: use disorders is is sort of the general classification of the disease. Um, other folks call it addiction. And opioids are a chronic relapsing disease. They're part of, you know, there's, there's folks that can be addicted to alcohol, opioids, methamphetamines, other drugs. But it is a chronic disease, meaning that there's not a cure, but there are treatment, you know, services available and individuals can move into and sustain long-term recovery and just lead very productive lives.
0: Oh, good. Well, let's talk about fentanyl, because I know people are hearing so much about it in the news. What is it exactly, and why is it so dangerous?
2: Yeah, so why fentanyl is so dangerous is it's the potency of it. And so when you think about comparing it to a different opioid, such as heroin, um, you know, it's really 50 to 100 times, Um, more potent than that or more potent than morphine. So the individual that is utilizing fentanyl is getting just so much more of the opioid in their system. Uh, So with that, what happens is, and we'll talk a little bit about this, when an individual is overdosing from utilizing opioids, it's going to require, you know, more of that medication, potentially naloxone. Um, Also, unfortunately, individuals that are utilizing fentanyl or even car fentanyl, um, their odds of overdosing are much higher. The risks are higher um, just because of having that flood of the opioids um, into the individual system.
0: And who's at risk for opioid abuse?
2: You know, anybody that is going to have access to opioids is going to be at risk. Um, And I say that because there's there's lots of different risk factors. So there are some individuals that, you know, they suffer from chronic pain and they have been perhaps, um, you know, provided opioids through their physician and so they may misuse those accidentally um, or maybe purposely because they're in a lot of pain. So, you know, there could be some misuse there, that there's that risk. Um, There's also individuals that do have a substance use disorder Um, They may be using um, other substances that aren't opioids, but there can be cross-contamination or they may be thinking, you know, that they have gotten some pill off the street that is, you know, maybe even for a mental health disorder condition and it actually has some fentanyl in it. So they don't even realize um, that they could have that in in their, their drug supply. Um, oh, wow. Also, you know, high risk is um, young people. We're really concerned about young people. Uh, we're seeing just the statistics of not only overdoses vastly increasing with young people and, and especially what's being known as a fentapil. Um And once again, that is a pill that perhaps the young person or adults are purchasing on the dark web and they think it is something that it isn't and it has fentanyl. Um and it's laced with with fentanyl, um, or they go and they go to a party and their friends have you know oh take this you you know it looks like you have some anxiety and that could you know have opioids in it as well. So th- there's a lot of people at risk for using opioids um, intentionally or unintentionally. Could you
0: tell me what an SUD is and can prescribed medicine lead to an SUD? Yeah, so a substance use
2: disorder is, as we've been talking a little bit about, it is a chronic relapsing brain disease. And so opioids are one substance that could lead to an individual with a substance use disorder. What makes it really tricky is with a substance use disorder, um, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate based on age, race, ethnicity, um, how much money somebody makes. Um, It's a disease that can anybody can have this disease. That's what makes it so dangerous. And that's why You know, talking to you today and educating folks about this um, is so important, but it also is, like I mentioned, very treatable. And so prescribed medication, what we have found in in America in general, and unfortunately just across the world, um, is, you know, several years ago, how we got into the opioid epidemic was based on prescribed medication. Um, You know, physicians were told opioids aren't addictive, Um, They can be prescribed for pain, uh, and unfortunately, that was misinformation. Um, Opioids can be very addictive. So that has really led to just vast numbers, increases of overdoses. And so that's really what started the opioid epidemic, um, the the most current one. We've always had issues in our country around heroin and other opioids, um, but this opioid epidemic really started with prescribed medication, Um, Unfortunately, it has turned into um, moving into those synthetic opioids that we were just talking about around fentanyl. Um, You know, those are far more potent and are are unfortunately easier to hide because it's smaller. Um, Like the amount of fentanyl that you need to overdose can be as small as a few grains of salt if you're, um, you know, ingesting that and so it's it's very concerning, you know, so I think our message to folks that are out there today um, is if you have go to your medicine cabinet, look and see if you have any opioids if you're not utilizing them properly just you know destroy them um, you shouldn't have those in the house if you're not utilizing it, you don't need it, you really need to properly dispose of it because unfortunately, other folks that may have an addiction uh, may get a hold of those, and so Prescribed medication, we've made a lot of headway um, here in California as well as getting that message out about the dangers, um, but we still all need to make sure we're very attentive to that. Doctors have been really getting better about how much they prescribe, the quantities, and, you know, talking about the risks. But when you see all the news about the opioid epidemic currently, a lot of it is linked to those synthetic opioids, like I mentioned, fentanyl.
0: Obviously, we know that opioids are prescribed for pain, but are there alternatives to opioids? There are alternatives. Um, Of course,
2: there's, for all of us, different levels of pain. You know, we always recommend you should be working with your individual physician on your individual, you know, level of pain. How long have you had the pain? Is it chronic or is it, you know, something that is just going to be for a short period of time? Of course, you know, there's always the -the over-the-counter or you know, higher doses of like Motrin or Tylenol or, you know, those type of uh, medications that you can use for pain. There's also other alternatives like physical therapy and acupuncture, things like that. Um, But once again, we just really encourage folks um, to just be aware of the dangers of the opioids and to be, you know, talking to their physician about what's right for them.
0: What are the symptoms of an opioid overdose? Yeah, so what happens when
2: someone is moving into an overdose is, I just want to step back and talk a little bit about how opioids impact our brain because that really helps you understand better the overdose. But we have in our brain these little receptors. They're called MU receptors. And what happens is the opioid gets on those receptors, and if it's the right level dosage, it can help minimize pain. I mean, that's why it is prescribed by doctors. Um, but what happens if too much of it is on that that receptor, an individual, they could just lose consciousness. Um, they may start to have their breathing slow down. Uh, they, they're just very unresponsive. Um, they might go pale. Because basically what's really happening is they're starting not to be able to breathe. Um, and so this can happen pretty rapidly uh, depending on you know, once again, that, that impact of the opioid on that receptor. Um, unfortunately, sometimes people may just assume someone has, like, fallen asleep or something. Um, but you will see some of these other other signs that you need to get help immediately. Call 911, and hopefully you have um, the reversal medication Naloxone available um, that you could administer for that individual.
0: Now, what is, um, is it pronounced Naloxone? It's pronounced Naloxone. Naloxone. And so that,
2: yeah, it's a, it's a very safe medication. Um, so right now, I don't have any opioids in my system. If you were to administer it to me, I wouldn't feel any effects of it. What what the naloxone does, and it's been around for many years, this is not a new medication. Um, it's been shown that the efficacy of it. Um, there's lots of laws, even here in California, like Good Samaritan laws, where you could go and administer it, you know, any of us, and a lot of the formulations of it have instructions right on the box. It's basically the version a lot of folks are familiar with is the intranasal version where it's kind of like a asthma medication that you would squirt in somebody's nose. Um, but basically what it does, so kind of think back to the individual's brain, got the opioid on those receptors that's suppressing the breathing. The naloxone immediately goes into the system and pushes all of that opioid off of that receptor, so that individual immediately starts breathing again. And they're, they're basically, you know, just literally come up, they're probably kicking and screaming when they come out of it, because they're just so like, literally brought back to life. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's very, very crucial in our battle against the opioid epidemic, is that it be widely available um, across California, and um, it's very, very important. And once again, while it is known like as a medication, um, there's lots of places that you can, unfortunately, it's not available over the counter at this time, but it can be um, prescribed and there's other avenues where it can you know, be given. Sometimes um, we've seen now doctors that are prescribing an opioid have been co-prescribing the naloxone. So oh, wow. they have it available just in case. Um, of an emergency because sometimes um, I think it just needs to be clear to all of the listeners out there. It could be accidental. It could be, we've seen elderly folks that, right. you know, they think they're taking their medication properly, but maybe they forgot that they just took it right. and then they get too much in their system. So it isn't just that everybody that has an opioid overdose has a substance use disorder. There's accidental. And like I mentioned before, it can be laced with other substances um, you know, they could be thinking they're getting one thing and they're they're not. So it's it's just
0: very risky. Sure. Is there any way to stop or reverse an opioid overdose? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I mean, once that opioid
2: is on that receptor outside of naloxone, there hasn't been anything proven yet um, mm. that can reverse the overdose. Um, and as I mentioned, it is like the intranasal spray. You'll also see like healthcare professionals have it um, available in a formulation of like, a, you know, an injectable type of like with a needle, um, things idea. like that. But really, um, at this point, just naloxone is the only way to, to reverse an opioid overdose.
0: Let's go over some of the statistics for the opioid epidemic. So unfortunately,
2: what we have found um, here specifically to California is our rates of overdoses early on in this epidemic we're not as high as back east. Um, but what was really ravaging back east was first that prescription, you know, having so many prescriptions. not that we weren't seeing that impact in California, but it really was far more back east. but then fentanyl came on the scene back east and we saw those levels increase even more. And what we're really seeing in California over the last few years is that also that impact of fentanyl. So in California, just in 2021, there were more than 7,000 opioid overdose deaths. And so of those 7,000 deaths, more than 5,000 of these were related to fentanyl. So you can see how fentanyl is really changing the nature of this epidemic in California. And um, unfortunately, it's also, while it is impacting all, you know, like I mentioned before, races, ethnicity, ages, everything, sex. Um, We are seeing much higher rates uh, with our American Indian and Alaskan Native populations. Um, So we're really concerned about them. We're also really concerned about our young people because those um, young people, the overdose rates are increasing with them significantly as well.
0: Let's talk about medication-assisted treatment or MAT. What is that? So
2: when an individual does have an opioid use disorder, it's one of the few Uh, substance use disorders where there's a medication that can help treat it and so what it is is it's a long-standing proven evidence-based medication and there's different formulations of it but it's called medication assisted treatment and so when an individual has that opioid use disorder they can take medication once again it has to be prescribed by their doctor there's different formulations you're going to have you know some time to figure out which one is going to work best for you and just your chemistry and how you're made up. Um, But that coupled with some counseling, it has just, the results are just unbelievable as to how folks can recover and even more so than most other chronic diseases like diabetes.
0: So what type of medications are used in MAT? So right now there's three predominant
2: medications. And once again, there's going to be different formulations of all three of these, um, but the first is known as buprenorphine, and, and there's different um, product names. Some, some folks are really familiar with Suboxone, but it's basically um, a formulation that you take. Once again, it's going to depend on how the doctor prescribes it, um, but you can take it like underneath the tongue, um, inside the cheek, other things like that. There's also like a monthly injection, uh, so that's, that's one type. Um, there's another known as methadone, and this is more a like it's a liquid that you take. Um, and once again, um, this is going to be for select patients. Like everybody is going to need like a different medication. So I think it's just really important to ensure, depending on the, the nature of how long, you know, you've had the opioid use disorder um, and other circumstances. And then the third is naltrexone. And this is a daily pill or an injection. And so now this one, um, you know, there's different pros and cons for all of them. So once again, I would just encourage if anybody is, you know, looking to seek treatment is to work with their physician. We have a lot of information available as well on our website to um, just help guide folks to, to see what's available and what might work best for them.
0: Now, is MAT a proven method to help treat patients with opioid use disorder?
2: Yes, it is evidence-based. There is a tremendous amount of research around the efficacy of all three of these medications. And once again, it really is a part of, in combination with getting that behavioral health support, that that counseling, um, those paired together um, can be the most effective. But we just highly encourage people, like, really look into MIT. You don't need to do it on your own. Um, this medication can really, really help. Um, it's found that when medication-assisted treatment is used, the outcomes are far, far better than someone that is not using any medication for an opioid use disorder.
0: Now, how long will someone need to use MAT? This is a great, you know, it's a great question. Um, there really is
2: a lot of research out there that, you know, if you can use MAT for more than a year or two, you're going to have the best rate of success for the long term. Just keeping in mind, like the the MAT can help an individual get into long term recovery, but this disease doesn't have a cure. And so you have to continually be, you know, maintaining um, the the effects of this disease. Now, that doesn't mean that an individual has to be on MAT their whole lives. Um, What they have found in the research is individuals can what they you know it's called tapering down to how much medication they need um, there's some individuals that stop using the medication but the critical piece is you don't want to stop too soon um, because that could cause relapse and this is a chronic relapsing disease um, and so we just really want to make sure when an individual starts MIT they understand the you know the risks of relapse if they stop too soon so it's really being in communication with their physician whether that is, you know, their primary care physician or if it's in a a licensed treatment provider or wherever the case may be. But they shouldn't just stop um, because that really could risk them relapsing. Now, will MAT interrupt someone's lifestyle? You know, when an individual needs treatment services, whether it's for an opioid use disorder or substance use disorder, their lifestyle is already pretty interrupted. Um, And really what treatment can do is bring you know organization back into the individual's life it it can be life-saving and so while depending on what level of treatment an individual may need um, you know we have been really working hard in california to have it more widely available in our choose change california campaign we have a treatment locator different levels of care so it really just depends on what you need as an individual but because there's so many places that it's available we really it can fit into your daily lifestyle and over time it just becomes you know as in anything else um, you know something that is very manageable.
0: Now what are some common myths about MAT?
2: Um, So one of the largest ones that really plays into the stigma is that if you're using medication, then you're just you know trading one addiction for another. But to be crystal clear, when an individual is using MAT, it's really working with that brain chemistry so they're not getting high. The individual isn't receiving that, that high, um, but it's basically kind of balances out what damage that opioid has done in the brain. And so it is not trading one addiction for another. And as we mentioned, we don't recommend an individual stopping MIT treatment for at least two years or so and always talking with their doctor. You know, some folks may have to be on the medication their whole life. Some may not. It's just like any other, you know, chronic disease, disease like diabetes. Sometimes you can, you know, gain a level of control with your disease and have it managed. And other times you're going to need medication. So and then I think another big myth is, you know, I I don't have a problem. I'm, I'm managing this um, and I don't need help. And, and really, you know, we have a lot of, once again, information um, about just the symptoms of the disease, you know, assessments available. But what I would encourage folks to do is if you're even starting to ask those questions, it's just to seek out and, and ask for some help. And um, Or if you see a loved one that may need some help, Like, we've got to take the shame out of this disease. We don't shame folks, you know, that have other chronic disease, like heart disease or others. Like, we've got to remove that shame because that keeps people from from wanting to get help. And, um, you know, the same, another big myth is around, well, I can just stop, you know. And we hear that um, a lot, unfortunately. And when you look at the statistics around opioid use disorders in general, Um, you see that that's not the case. People need help with their addiction. And once again, this is one of the substance use disorders where there is medication available. So we need to help people to explore that option for them and make sure they're aware of that. Like just because one individual has obtained recovery themselves on one path, that doesn't work for all people. And so really ensuring that folks are getting the right information information um, from trusted sources and trusted individuals
0: got it now does private insurance and Medical provide help with this disease yes yeah, so when it comes to Medi-Cal uh, which is something that
2: our Department of Healthcare services oversees uh, we do have medication assisted treatment available and um, so it is available for all Medical beneficiaries and so depending on your local area you know and those three medications that I mentioned um, you know Go in, talk to your provider. We have our treatment locator listed on that Choose Change California website. Um, You can see, you know, what's available there as well. Um, Also, private insurance, it's going to vary as to what, you know, depending on who your insurance company is. But we've seen a marked and vast improvement in the availability of MAT with private insurance as well.
0: Where's treatment available
2: yeah, so there's lots of different settings. Um, we have in California what's known as a licensed narcotic treatment program. Um, they are the only setting that can provide the methadone version of MAT. We also have outpatient um, substance use disorder treatment programs. We have primary care settings, meaning like your, your individual doctor, um, emergency departments and hospitals. Um, A lot of them, we have a special program for them. Over half of them are now providing MAT, um, also our residential facilities. And so if you go to our ChooseMAT.org site um, or Choose Change California, um, you'll see there is a treatment locator. You can look up where you live and you can see what's available in your area.
0: Great. Now, where can I receive more information so our website um, is choosemat.org, and
2: there you can find all kinds of resources um, about the addiction itself. There's some really great um, resources and trainings about addiction um, and other places of where you can find treatment. Um, we also have on our California MAT website, um, it's californiamat.org. There's lots of training videos if you want to learn more about addiction or opioid use disorders in general. We have some of that available and tons of information of various projects um, that we have for public
0: use. What should I do if I think someone I know may be addicted to a substance?
2: Yeah, so it's, you know, when an individual has this disease, it's a very lonely disease. Um, Unfortunately, they often feel that it's a moral failing. So it's really hard to go through this alone. So really just support from family or friends, Um, This is the integral part. And so, you know, you can play such an important role in helping them, you know, get treatment services, walking with them through this process. It is a chronic relapsing disease, meaning they're not most of the time they're not going to get it the first time and just encouraging them to go back and and continue to get the, the help that they need and just being educated about it. And so, you know, I would just highly encourage folks to, you know, learn more about the disease. So if they come across, you know, the signs and symptoms and their friends or loved ones, that they're available and prepared to help.
0: Lastly, is there anything else you'd like to add? I I would say the only thing I would want to add just on a a personal
2: note is we all have to be a part of the solution. Um, We can't, you know, we have to put away the myths and the judgment, and we all have to make this a conversation Else, the people that need help Um, There are statistics out there that 1 in 10 individuals that have a substance use disorder, only one of them goes to get help. And a lot of the time, it's because of the stigma around this disease. So if we don't work to combat against that stigma, the people that we know and love are not going to get the help that they need. And they're not going to get better. And some of them are going to die. And so we have to all make the effort
0: to learn about it and to talk about it. Great. Thank you so much. That was Marlies Perez with the California Department of Healthcare Services. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit ChooseChangeCA.org. That's ChooseChangeCA.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of this station. My next guests are Derek Compton and Matt Stumpf with the Sacramento Active 2030 Club. They're here to discuss what the club is all about, how you can join, and their upcoming spring fundraiser, Party Carlo. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourselves and provide a little background on what you do?
3: My name is Derek Compton. I uh, work for the state of California. I joined the Active 2030 Club back in 2008. I've uh, run many events within the organization in that time, and I've run this spring party style event one other time back in 2011 this is the second version definitely a different variation
4: of the event that we're going to be doing
0: and we can't wait to hear more about that so what about you matt
4: and i'm matt Stumpf, and i've been a member of the active 2030 club since 2006 Uh, like derek i also have been involved in many of our club's fundraisers
0: now for those who might not know what is the active 2030 club what's what's your mission
3: The mission of the Active2030 Club is to provide young adults an opportunity for uh, for personal growth, friendships, professional development, and leadership development while we improve the quality of life for children with special needs in our community.
0: And what's the history of the club?
4: Yeah, the club was actually founded 100 years ago here in Sacramento. Uh, We just celebrated our 100-year anniversary and it was founded here um, by a gentleman named Paul Claiborne, who was in his 20s looking for a social group networking group, and uh, decided there really wasn't anything that was focused on young professionals in their 20s and 30s. And, and that is where, that's where the club started and was created. It's now an international organization with clubs throughout South America, clubs in Europe, clubs in Canada, and also all throughout the United States.
0: Now, I know you started as a men's club, and I believe you still are, but is there a women's chapter?
4: There is, and, and you're right. Our club, for example, the Sacramento Number 1 Club, is is all men, uh, and here in Sacramento, there's another club called the Sacramento Um, 1032 Club, and they are all uh, women in their 20s and 30s.
0: Now, what made you want to get involved in the Active2030 Club?
3: Well, I had um, some friends that were in the club. When I learned about it, I had been to a spring party event and had a blast. And, you know, I I learned about some of the uh, philanthropic stuff that the organization did for the local kids in the community. And that was something that was really important to me. I was able to uh, come to a couple of meetings, kind of saw what they did and the fun that they had. And uh, and I was able to kind of talk to a lot of the guys there. I was invited to go to one of their uh, benevolent events, which was the holiday party for children with cancer at the UC Davis Cancer Center. And they um, you know, they basically bring the kids that are up in the, the tower down and they get to visit with the, uh, with the members. We've collected gifts. We have Santa there. He gives them, he gives them gifts and uh, books, and we had some like, stuffed animals and things like that. And then the thing that really kind of locked me in was at the end of the night, uh, as a prospective member, I was invited to escort Santa up into the tower to see the kids that sorry, I get a little choked up sometimes with this oh, wow. but uh get to visit the kids that don't have uh the opportunity to come down and see Santa Claus that are too sick or, you know, too amino compromised or things like that and, and you get to deliver those gifts and see the the look in those kids' eyes and, and how that, that that affects them. Mm-hmm. And um that that just like automatically I was like I'm, I'm joining.
4: What's interesting is uh, for me my reasons were actually very different. Um, not that all of the benevolence isn't wonderful but from the outside looking in it actually wasn't I didn't even know that that was a portion of being in the club. Uh, I joined strictly for networking and, and to try to just become more well-versed within Sacramento and uh, and it was and, and the outcome of course is the benevolence um, and the some of the benefits of being in the club is the amazing things we do but but not to also be overlooked by by the amazing friendships. And when you have people that are like-minded in a similar age uh, bracket, uh, it's it's really awesome to come together with with people that are all volunteering their time and that you, that you create this bond with. And fortunately for me, and I, I don't think me speaking for other people that have been in our club, uh, you really create some lifelong friendships and some of your best friends um, from being a member of the Active 2030 Club.
0: Yeah. Now, I know you've already made some great points that pretty much answer this question, but what would you say to someone who is considering joining? Why should they join?
4: Yeah, exactly. The 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 friendships is is fantastic the the networking we don't necessarily do we don't look to do business with each other um but but at the end of the day everyone likes to do business with people they like and Mm -hmm. people that are their friends so that's a nice byproduct of being a member is that you look to who's in your network within the club when it comes to doing to doing business um as Derek also mentioned, you know the benevolence is wonderful. Uh, the feeling of giving back uh, the feeling of helping children in our community that are they either have special needs or are, um, uh, are are from lower income areas and to be able to give them um, the opportunities to do things and have things that they might not ever have uh, without the active 2030 club is really it's really fulfilling.
0: Now, where can listeners get more information on how to join?
4: Uh, The SAC, uh, our our website, sac2030.org would be uh, the best place to start. And we we have our event calendars on there as well, as well as uh, more information about how we give back to the community, as well as how you could become a member of the club or find out more information about other clubs uh, in the community.
0: Now, tell me about some of the events or programs you do throughout the year.
3: Yeah, definitely. So uh, we do these fundraisers like we're doing with Party Carlo coming up to to help support the benevolent events that we do. And so some of the fundraisers that we do are events like Party Carlo, uh, Cornhole Tournament. We have a golf tournament. Uh, Matt and I actually um, started just uh, two years ago uh, an event called Suit Up and Deal. It's just a, a very specific poker tournament um, to be able to, Derek, uh, not
4: to... Not to interrupt you, Derek, that's that's the Derek. award-winning, international award-winning suit-up and deal.
3: <laughs> that's right. That's right. I apologize. We received a, a, an award at international and national convention for this event because we uh, it was an innovative uh, creation uh, that we brought forth to the organization. And so, uh, yes, I do apologize. Internationally award-winning shoot up and deal. <laughs> and uh, um, the uh, the events that we do that are served by these fundraisers are events like uh, the shopping spree, events like um, our, our holiday, our picnic with special needs children and their families. We bring children with disabilities. Uh, we've done it at Fairytale Town for many, many years. Uh, we have traditionally closed down the park and they've come in kind of had a, a day free from judgment uh, along with kids uh, that have other disabilities and they, they just get to kind of have a day to themselves and get to have activities and food and fun and just get to kind of be free of kind of the stress and stuff that, that is the day-to-day stuff. We have the, the, as I mentioned before, the holiday party at UC Davis for the children with cancer. Um, and then we do, something called Projects and Charities, where we actually give money to organizations that request it from us uh, who are in need. We worked with the Sac Republic for a couple of years now, serving the Robles School District, who we learned have a high, high rate of homelessness within their school district, which is, you know, unbelievable to, to think about. And, and so being able to provide them coats and things like that during the winter season is really important. So we supported them during that uh, big Brothers and Big Sisters, Roberts Family Development Center in South Sacramento, where Daryl Roberts and his crew do a lot of excellent work helping the children, uh, you know, the disadvantaged youth in that community to be able to kind of rise up and, and do better and stay in school and kind of uh, look to go to college and achieve. So we do a lot of great things with the money that we raise at these events. And, you know, this the, you know, the shopping spree is just one of those things.
0: Now, you have an event coming up, the Party Carlo. What is this all about? What can people expect?
4: Party Carlo is going to be on Friday, April 21st. It's going to be held at the Sacopolis Library Galleria in downtown Sacramento. Uh, We are holding a Monte Carlo style party. So um, all people in attendance can be expecting. um, There's live music by Adam Aldama and the Aces. They're an amazing party band. Um, We'll also have DJed music going as well. Uh, We'll have uh, Las Vegas-style gaming, and all in attendance will be getting funny money to be playing those games with. Uh, We'll have a fully hosted bar, uh, also heavy appetizers that are all inclusive of your ticket price. We've got Photo
3: Booth, too. You know, a lot of fun stuff to kind of participate in. You don't have to come to play table games. and and gamble you can come for the concert you can come for the hanging out you can come for the great food or the drink or you know we've got so many different things to offer
0: great sounds like fun now where can listeners get their ticket and how much are tickets
3: yeah so so there's two levels of tickets so we've got a general admission ticket that's 180 dollars that you can get at partycarlo.com and it'll take you all the way through it'll tell you about the event what everything is included with the ticket. And, and with the general admission ticket for $180, you are going to get your admission to the event. You're going to get all your food and beverage covered. Uh, you're going to get an entry into the grand prize raffle at the end of the night, which is an all expenses paid trip to Las Vegas, um, okay. which is, a, yeah, I mean, a really, we're going to do it kind of a, a suitcase style raffle off at the end of the night where it's going to be really exciting, but it's not going to be like, hey, you got to get on an airplane now after having having fun and being tired and we're going to send you to Las Vegas. We're going to be able to work with you and kind of plan that trip out a little bit. So um, that'll be cool. And then um, you're going to get some funny money to play the games with and buy additional raffle tickets as you win more funny money if you play the games. Or you can just take that money and spend it on raffle tickets if you don't want to play the games. You can also buy more. Funny money to buy more raffle tickets if you want or win more money Um, so we're going to have many opportunities there Uh, we're also going to have some table raffle items all of our table raffle items are going to be valued at no less than $500 and so you're going to be able to put put your tickets into those if you want to enter for any of those items if you want to uh, if you want to upgrade your ticket and go to the VIP ticket You're going to have access to our VIP Terrace area, which is going to have private gaming, private viewing. It's going to be up above, kind of around the whole party. There's going to be upgraded appetizers, uh, champagne reception. Uh, We're going to have a dessert bar up there as well. And so it's going to be uh, definitely a step up. And those tickets are $245.
0: And where can listeners get those tickets? And even more information, you have a website for this event, right?
3: We do, yeah. So our website is PartyCarlo.com. dot com, and then we are also on Instagram at partycarlo. And you can, uh, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll get updates. We're, we're posting there all the time. Uh, we're, you know, any anything that we're doing, any updates to the event. Uh, but we're pretty pretty locked in. We're pretty pretty well moving forward with this thing, and we're expecting it to be a sellout pretty quickly. As as already before we've done any sort of media at all, tickets are selling pretty fast. Um oh, So we're really excited about this event. And we're we're excited to be be able to do this, and it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Now, where can listeners connect with the club? Um, do you mind going over that website one more time? And if you have social media,
3: you can you can reach the club. Actually, we have a link through PartyCarlo.com. So if you're on that website, you can actually link through to sac2030.org. is that sac2030.org. And that'll take you to the club's website. The club is also on Instagram at sac2030, at sac2030 on Instagram as well. I'd encourage anybody and everybody to like and follow. Uh, Come to the event. We'll have information at the event itself about how to join. We'll have some, uh, you know, some people there at a table just to talk about, what the club is and what we do and what these what these things support. And I think, you know, one of the important things to remember about this particular event is that it is supporting our annual back-to-school shopping spree where we take children from a disadvantaged community uh, on a shopping spree for supplies that they can get to prepare to go back to school, you know, comfortably, whether it's, you know, warmer clothes to get into the wintertime. Or whether they need a new backpack, we provide them with that and supplies, you know, uh, composition books and pencils and pens and you know uh, pen holders and things like that. We give those to them and then we take them on a shopping spree and allow them to purchase the clothes and the supplies that they might need to to just feel comfortable, to feel like the other kids, like they think the other kids might feel going into the. You know the first day of school, mm-hmm. and so you know the the thing with every ticket purchased is really going to support a child going on a shopping spree, so that's the easiest way for us to see it
0: all right well, is there anything else you'd like to add about either the club or the event party carlo i
3: I think the club is you know as far as we were talking about, why did we join Matt mentioned you know there's there's so many different reasons from you know networking to benevolence to meeting new people and making new friends folks will learn if they join the club is that they'll get back far more from the organization than they'll ever be able to give back to the organization. I I think I can speak for Matt and myself and that as long as both of us have been a member of the organization, you know, as much as we've done, even, you know, we've tried and tried and tried and we'll never be able to repay kind of what we've received from the club. And, you know, even Matt and I have become excellent friends You know, because of the organization and and I've developed lifelong friendships from this club and and business relationships and things like that, that were all after thoughts to me initially, because I joined to serve the kids. And, you know, you'll get you'll get so much back from it if you make the choice to come and check us out.
0: Great. Thank you for being here and doing this. That was Derek Compton and Matt Stumpf with the Sacramento Active 2030 Club. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, go to sac2030.org. That's sac2030.org. Or for tickets to Party Carlo, just go to partycarlo.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guest is Dr. Shanisha, volunteer for the American Heart Association and family medicine physician for Dignity Health's Mercy Medical Group. She's here to discuss the American Heart Association's new study on avocados and why they're beneficial to her heart health. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do?
5: Absolutely. So my name is Shidae Chinichian. I'm a family medicine doctor. I also do functional medicine. I work with Mercy Medical Group and uh, volunteer with American Heart Association and we do comprehensive primary care for all ages.
0: I want to start by saying Californians love avocados. They're very much a part of who we are. We're the top producer of avocados in the U.S. And and I've heard, like I'm sure everyone else has, that they have many health benefits, which is why you're here today. The American Heart Association did a study on avocados. And what did they find? They did a
5: study that found that eating one avocado a day as part of a moderate-fat diet resulted in lowering your bad cholesterol or the LDL cholesterol Um, The studies have also shown that people who ate at least one avocado each week had a 16% lower risk of cardiovascular disease and a 21% lower risk of coronary heart disease compared to those who never or rarely ate avocados. Um, Also, replacing half a serving daily of unhealthy fats or processed meat like bacon or butter or margarine um, with the same amount of avocados um, has been associated with a 16 to 22 percent lower risk of cardiovascular events, um, which makes avocados a great food to add to a regular diet.
0: And can avocados help you maintain a healthy weight?
5: Yes, because
0: of the amount of fiber
5: that's in them. So they will help keep you full for longer. And that increase in satiety will help maintain a healthy weight. And obesity has been shown to be linked to cardiovascular disease. So that's another way that um, avocados can be helpful for you.
0: I hear the terms good fat or healthy fats thrown around a lot when talking about avocados. What are good fats and why are they good for us?
5: So we're talking about the monounsaturated fats that are in avocado versus the saturated unhealthy or bad fats that we find in, you know, margarine or processed meat, like bacon, for example. So the difference is the unhealthy fats increase your LDL or the bad cholesterol that gets oxidized and in pieces plaque build up in your arteries, and those are the ones that are going to eventually close up that artery and cause a heart attack and cause coronary artery disease. As opposed to the bad fat or the unhealthy fat or the LDL, the HDL or the good or healthy fat are the ones that help um, with your um, circulation, and it will help with things kind of be more fluid and prevent buildup of so it basically offsets the effect of that bad cholesterol. So our goal as physicians, when we go and talk about your cholesterol, is to boost up that HDL or the good fat and decrease the bad fat. And avocado does both of them. And that's why it's a really awesome addition to your diet.
0: So the American Heart Association has a list of four ways to get good fats in your diet. What are those? So there are many different ways. So
5: different ways diet wise, um, you can get them. So avocados are one. You can get healthy fish like tuna, albacore, salmon, sardines. Um, Healthy um, unsalted or raw nuts and seeds are great. They help boost energy and they also provide those um, healthy fats that we just talked about. It increases protein and fiber. You can incorporate, you know, hazelnuts, pistachios, You know, the walnuts, almonds, and then the different seeds, pumpkin seeds, um, sunflower seeds, um, or chia seeds. You can play around with those. Um, Aside from your, and you know, in terms of the diet, just incorporating more healthy fruits and vegetables and anything that's clean, unsalted, more plant-based food um, have been shown to decrease and lower your risk of heart disease. Um, And then along with that, you also want to increase your physical activity, Um, and make sure that you're exercising regularly, maintaining a healthy weight, and avoiding exposure to uh, tobacco products There's another
0: one. Now, what are the health benefits to simply eating more plant-based foods? So if you're eating enough plant-based foods, you're getting a lot of different nutrients. So uh,
5: most of our vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients um, come from these natural sources in basically plants. So if you're getting different colors, incorporating different types of plant-based food, and that's also important, variety is key. So if you're um, having good amount of like fruits and vegetables and incorporate like 30 different ones in a week, um, That's more beneficial than eating, you know, say, lettuce every day for seven days a week. So you want variety in your diet because that also helps with your immune system and your gut health because you now that variety also helps maintaining that, you know, gut bacteria, the healthy bacteria,
0: all of those good things that help with your immune system, your overall well-being. Um, and you know, your cardiovascular. Now you mentioned gut health, which is another term thrown around a lot these days. And I hear avocados are good for that. So why is that? And what is gut health? So your gut
5: health is basically your gut is built up of different kinds of bacteria. Um, And those bacteria can lead to your, you know, microbiome, which is building your immune system. Um, Avocados help balance those, create some good bacteria there and um, keep your microbiome balanced. And it's one of those healthy um, foods that will help with that. So if you have a balanced microbiome and a healthy gut bacteria, um, or bacteria group, then you are likely to have a stronger immune system because most of your immune system is in your gut, um, and that is very useful um, part. You know, have benefit of having avocados in your diet.
0: Now, where can listeners get more information on what we discussed today? The American Heart Association has
5: great resources. Um, they have great recipes that incorporate avocados, um, and also more information about how to have a, you know heart healthy diet heart healthy lifestyle and um, how to be you know, mindful and
0: work on prevention as well. Great. Thank you. That was Dr. Shaneshan, volunteer for the American Heart Association and Family Medicine Physician for Dignity Health Mercy Medical Group. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit heart.org. That's heart.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station.
6: Attention men under the age of 35. You know what really impresses the ladies? When a guy has a few drinks and later gets pulled over for buzz driving. I could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. There goes let's grab dinner and a movie. Oh, I know. You drive more carefully when you're buzzed. You've proven that hundreds of times. A woman admires that kind of confidence. And you've practiced how to speak if a cop does pull you over. Slowly, clearly, and politely like, good evening, officer. A woman admires that kind of foresight. And what woman doesn't find it adorable that you call it buzzed even though the law calls it drunk? You can kiss $10,000 goodbye, along with any chance of having a girlfriend. Because nothing says, I'm a catch, more than a guy who lives in his parents' basement and calls it
4: my place. Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: 180
5: over 111, and I had a stroke.
6: If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I head to toe. Everything's changed. I head to toe. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
0: Here's a handy tip to help you have a great looking yard. Check the soil with a moisture meter before you run your sprinklers.
2: You'll have healthier plants and make every drop count. More water wise tips and information at bewatersmart.info.